Before we start today's video, I want to let you guys know that we're having the next launch for the Standard this Friday, November 25th. The Standard is a community of high-performing men committed to excellence who help one another unlock their full potential. I want to see all you great men tap into the community, and let's get started with today's episode. You won't see many contents of like the best of women. You won't see it. Like what you said before is like the negativity and, and the aggression and the negative emotions they sell. If me and you want to get more views right here, right now, we can go make a video. All women are hoes. That's going to be, you know, like one out of 10 on YouTube analytics that we're going to look at it like, oh, wow. Okay. This is the message that guys want to see dopamine. Yes. We feel great. Okay. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. The issue is that a lot of guys who are in our space, you know, they, they do talk about masculinity, but they don't realize like the most important part of masculinity is responsibility. Like if, if you want to be a man, you need to be responsible for everything that happens. And so you need to like deep dive into the impact your content is going to have on people. And these guys, like they don't realize that they're actually leaders. They don't realize that they're, they're real influencers. Like, you know, by, by creating content, by having an audience, you're an influencer and you've got to think what impact is going to have on your, on your people who are following you. And I, and I think it's mostly negative, honestly, at this point. everybody this is Hafiz and welcome back welcome back one of if not the most anticipated conversations of the year for me as I've been telling you guys man I've been slowing down doing the podcast been have so many different products been working on especially with the standard trying to really invest time energy and effort into real life men in person but there were three more people I had to talk to and after months of reaching out, God said this Christmas, I'm going to answer all your items on your list. And, and I've gotten the privilege of bringing to you guys an individual who I truly believe is a revolutionary in the space of helping transform the lives of men. So without further ado, I would love to welcome to the show the one the only Adonis himself, Hamza. What an introduction, man. Thank you so much for having me, Hafiz. No problem, no problem. Like I said, man, you know, I've been I've been really in the the process of really reevaluating a lot of different things. And one of the biggest things I've always come back to is that, man, I'm so passionate about helping men. I've been passionate about this for over a decade of my life. I've seen so many people coming in and out of the men's space, and, and I'm just really excited about what you do. I'm excited about bringing you to the audience. I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited about learning how to become an Adonis, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, before we go into it, I want to start the people um, can you give a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis about who you are and what you do for those who don't know who you are? Okay. Um, my name is Hamza. I have a YouTube channel. You can just go search up Hamza on YouTube. And we've created a movement of young men who are on self-improvements, who are hitting life from all pillars. So that's not just the usual like masculine endeavors, like just working and fitness, but it's it's social skills and relationships and mental health. And, and that's a big one. I think Hafiz, you always speak about so much. I think you're the only other person in this space who actually talks about the importance of mental health, which is, it's, it's awesome seeing someone else bring it up, but I think we need more guys just pushing on this message of how valuable it is that if we can improve our mental health together, whilst also pursuing things like success and fitness and relationships, you hit life from all angles. And 
at first I just posted um, my learning lessons. I was going through this journey myself and just suddenly we picked up a massive audience. It's 1.2 million now and it's become way more like a cult. Like it, it is a very strong following of, of guys who are very committed to this message and it's just beautiful seeing that out in the real world and um, I'm sure you've had this where like someone will spot you and say like your work has changed their lives. They've got like some tears in their eyes and it's one of the most beautiful things you can have. Man, like I said, we're going to spend a lot of time um, talking today and, I, and I'm about to shower you with tons of compliments. Man, I think to me the most encouraging part of this space is you, man. I'm being, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm on this platform or I'm talking to you. You're, you are the most encouraging part of this space to me. Because what excites me the most is I see so many people doing these shortcuts. I see so many people playing on a negativity, the insecurity, the pain of men today, and feeding them this McDonald's-like garbage in order to, quote-unquote, solve their problems, which we, you and I both know are way deeper than any dollar amount or any bicep will ever provide for you. And so to see you come into the space with a holistic message because you don't see that right because there's no there's not really a lot of money in this holistic message for men so to see you come into the space with this holistic message of creating healthier well-rounded but also masculine competent men to me it's like it's 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 the vision that i've wanted to see for quite a long time so beyond excited we're gonna get into all that but uh i i want to go back in time before uh pre um, pre-Adonis era. And I want to go back in time and I want to know who Hamza was. Um, how old are you right now, brother? I'm 25. 25. That's what I thought. You're 25 years old. Let's go back to 15 years old. I want to know who Hamza was, where was he living? What was his background like? Who was he in school? I want to, I want to get a picture of 15 year old Hamza. Hmm. So if there's two words that describe me from that era, it'd be video gamer. That's my mind was totally obsessed about the games I'd be playing. RuneScape, Minecraft, League of Legends. And RuneScape? I was only allowed Yo, to play. I was play RuneScape? RuneScape. Sorry for cutting you off. I was, I love, RuneScape was my game, man. <laughs> Did you Yo, play I Ocean as well? I kid you not. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little older than you. But RuneScape, bro, so me and my cousin probably amassed at the end of the game like 100 mil. And we had yeah, Santa same. hats, all, like all tight. And we had this crazy drop party at the end when we retired. So uh, when, when someone, I knew I liked you, man. But now when, knowing you played RuneScape too, I really like you. But my bad for cutting you. Keep on going with the story. <laughs> What's your username on it, bro? I'll, I'll add you. <laughs> so I don't play anymore. So my old username was HBNYC07. Um, Afiz Balkan, New York City 07. Then I had uh, my other PKing account was PK Inferno. Um, and so my HB NYC 07 was main account, you know what I mean? Then I had the PKing account. You know, you, obviously I had like three PKing account. You know, you got to have a ranger. Um, you got to mm -hmm. have a mage. And then you got to have a strength pure, you know what I mean? And so so I had my three PK Inferno accounts, but I, have, I haven't played in so long. Like my cousin gave away all, all of our wealth that we amassed over all these years. And um, so it's been a minute, man. Mm -hmm. But you see, even from this conversation of how emotionally invested we were, like we're so excited that RuneScape especially, I mean, I'm sure other guys with other games had this, but looking back at this, at Minecraft, it's like even just yesterday, I was going to sleep, I literally just put on some Minecraft music on YouTube to like fall asleep to. It's, it had a, a huge crutch on our lives. And 
I don't know about you, but back in the day, age 15, it was very innocent and, you know, I'm just playing. It, it was normal to play all, like all day and to be thinking about it in, instead of like focusing in class. It was only a few years after this that I, I started to realize like, oh yeah, this is why I'm struggling in, in school. This is why I'm not getting good grades. I'm not even focusing on the teacher. So age 15, Hamza, just fully obsessed about video games. Only allowed to play one hour a day, which was so interesting. Like, my, I don't know if you had this, but my parents would literally just let me play for one hour. My dad put like this little password thing on, like, you know, this system that would like shut down the computer after one hour exactly. So only allowed to play one hour, but my brain would just be obsessed with it. And that it sounds kind of wholesome, you know, we're connecting over this game, but I do have quite a negative view of this because when I look back now, like I was a young man going through puberty, full of testosterone, so ready to go conquer the world, so ready to go work hard and make progress. And, you know, previous generations of men before us, like they were already working hard at that age. They were already literally starting to provide for their families. And here me and you were just like making money on RuneScape instead of real life. There we were like, you know, making friends on, on like the virtual world instead of real life. And so I do look back with some negativity, but yeah, age 15, living at home with my parents, not focusing in school, just playing video games. Uh, one more question about RuneScape. Were you were you a free guy or were you a member? Most of the, the years I played, I was only free. I wasn't allowed to. Like, we had the money and stuff, but I wasn't allowed to get the membership. And then for my 14th birthday, my best friend's grandmother bought me a membership. And it was, like, the best thing ever. But I only had it for one month. So I remember I had this, like, scarcity mindset. Like, I didn't want to go do any, like, membership stuff. Didn't want to go buy any membership stuff. Because I was like, oh, well, I'm only going to be a member for, like, a month. I pretty much just spent most of my membership in like the free to play areas anyway because I didn't know what else you could do what else you could do. <laughs> oh man, it's it's so funny because um man, my my <sighs> number one RuneScape memory, I think I was probably 15 years old as well and my family was going on vacation and and I was like, man, like I gave some excuse why I I didn't couldn't go. I was not feeling well this that, and that. they're going away for 3-day vacation. So so they let me stay at home <laughs> by myself. And I kid you not, Hamza. My they, I think they were driving to Florida. I li I was living in Georgia at that time. I they left at four o'clock in the morning. Woke up at four, three days straight, probably four hours of sleep, like just in it, man. Because me, but back in that time, me and my cousin would fish for lobbies a lot. That's how we made money selling lobby certs. And so, man, we were just in it all day long, just fishing, 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 fishing. So. I want to nerd people out with the RuneScape stuff, but let's get let's get back let's get back to the conversation. So, senior year of high school, who were you at that point? Sixteen years old. I think I just about started. Yeah, just about this point, quit playing video games. I had gained quite a lot of weight. Like I wasn't like fat, fat, but I was like no longer skinny. I was no longer like lean. I was kind of chubby, maybe 20% body fat, 25. And when you've you know been relatively like a skinny kid for most of your life in the last like year, literally just playing video games, eating junk food and everything. So my life really went downhill. And I remember that around age 16, end of high school, just got very lonely. The, the friends that I used to have, who I used to play video games with, were still playing video games. I started to a little bit like dive into fitness. So this was about the first time that I hadn't started like weightlifting just yet, but I had started like looking up ways to like lose some fat and my brother figured it out. It's like, oh, it's, you know, eat less calories. So that was the thing I was obsessed about. And I became very um, socially isolated at this point. And so it was the, the summer after high school, age 16, just about 17, that I first started weightlifting. So I remember that I was like this little chubby kid, proper insecure, really shy. And just over summer, watching all these videos, like any OGs of the fitness space will know, like um, Scooby, Hodge Twins, 
I was watching all these guys and then I started watching more um, Mo Samuels, Joe Delaney of these guys, like building muscle, getting more confident, being able to speak to girls, going to parties. And just suddenly over one summer, I came back with so much more confidence, lost maybe 10 pounds of fat, started a little bit more of like muscle, you know, been working out now. So okay. I went from like night and day, I literally went from like shy, awkward video gamer to just the guy who's now emulating like these confident like chads that I'm seeing on YouTube. So, um, family background, where's your family from? From Pakistan. I was born Pakistan. there as well. So, yeah, um, Pakistan, Lahore. And I was born there, and then we moved to the UK when I was about two or three years old. Yeah. So, um, how many siblings did you have? One brother and one sister. And both of them are older than me. Okay, so you're the youngest of all three of them. Yeah. Okay. So... When did you personally start getting really heavy into like the idea of men's improvement? Was it was you, was it during the fitness era? Did something happen in your life? Like what made you really start getting deeper into like this desire of overall improvement as a man? Mm, so age seventeen. So we have college in the UK, which is kind of like the I think it's like the last two years of high school for you guys. So it's age sixteen to eighteen. So age seventeen, going to college. I'd already been weightlifting. I'd been, you know, getting into these areas online where you look around, you know, men making muscle to attract girls and everything. Found a very interesting subreddit called The Red Pill. And it was from that moment that everything changed. I know The Red Pill gets a lot of flack and, you know, I, I've criticized the community, especially like the modern day one. But back in the day, if anyone doesn't know, like the, the original Red Pill like, like community was like the subreddit on, on reddit.com. And that was like, that was different. That was none of these guys, you know, screaming at girls or anything. That was like literally just guys all coming to this forum page, literally like telling you like, no, shut up, go to the gym, keep lifting weights, stop smoking weed. Like I'd, I'd message them like, oh no, but like one hour of video games is fine. Like, no, 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 it's not because right now you're young. Like, you know, go, go create success, go approach women, do something that scares you, build some confidence. And these guys were, but just became almost like my mentors and there was two subreddits you're not in your head so you might have seen like there was the main sub i'm feeling uh, this hamza i'm feeling you are my brother from across the pond <laughs> i am feeling everything that you're saying right now but keep on going <laughs> so there's two subreddits right there's the main red pill which is where these like more advanced guys would go in and post and give advice and everything then there was the second one, which is called Ask TRP, so Ask the Red Pill. That was more like this forum Q&A where you could go and you could post your own questions. So I, I literally, age 17, 18, asking these guys who, you know, seemed more clued up, asking them, like, I've never even kissed a girl before, like, what's wrong with me? And for the first time, like, I had some brutal, like, slaps in the face because, you know, we grew up with this, like, blue pill understanding of the world that, you know, oh, just be yourself and, and you'll find love. And we were kind of sold a lie. And so these guys, when I asked them these abrupt questions, they just hit me with some truth. They're like, you're not even attractive. You're not even confident. A girl would gain nothing from dating you. And I needed to hear that. It hurt my feelings, but I needed to hear that. And then I became hooked onto this, like, online space, the red pill, and um, really commit myself to their actions. And I remember even we're fast forwarding a little bit, but for the years that I followed this advice, every time, like every period or season of my life for a couple of months where I was obsessed with the red pill, I climbed up significantly. And every period that I kind of thought like, oh, you know, this is kind of cringe. I'm not going to like follow these guys anymore. I'm just going to, you know, I'm like too good for them now, whatever. My, my life would go down. For me personally, I'm a, I'm a guy who falls victim to the pulls of like pleasure of instant gratification very easily and these were this community was the thing that was keeping me accountable because i wanted to be like these guys who were saying like oh, you know they're sleeping with girls and they're so confident and they make like ten thousand dollars a month and i was like oh no that's impossible isn't it but yeah that changed my life forever man age 17 found this community and um just committed myself to really the only things i focus on at this point were the fitness journey making muscle eating cleaner 
not doing any drugs or many sort of like loser activities, video games, porn, and then also um, the social and sort of dating sides. This was all I was focusing on at the, at the moment. I wasn't into the holistic approach for a good couple of years after this. Yeah, so let, let, let's stay there because I thought we were going to get to the red pill stuff later, but let's, 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 let's tease it a little bit while we're here. Another reason why I love you so much, the perspective. One of, similar to you, I've been in this space of men improvement from a very long time, from both the secular perspective and the religious perspective. You know, my name is Hafiz. Hafiz, he's one of the memorizers of the Quran. My whole family is Muslim. I'm personally Christian. Um, there was, in, back in 2008 to 10, there was this Christian um, renaissance of masculinity with, you know, these guys like Mark Driscoll. There's like this very masculine renaissance of Christianity. And you fueled that with the early onset days of the red pill, the, the message board red pill community before, before it became what it is today. And, and to me, that, that was the era in which I was growing in, learning from so many different people, reading all these different books. And, and to me, the point that you brought up was so powerful because the point that I, my number one criticism which is obviously yours as well, of modern red pill, red pill right? Because mm -hmm. to me, the red pill community when it started was like 70, I would argue from my experience, it was like 75% it's your fault and 25% here's the issues in the world. But it was primarily mm -hmm. built upon if you were a man, what's wrong with you? Get in the gym, you know what I mean? Go out, cold approach, like make more money. It, it, was, it was a message of pointing to men in the mirror and saying, look at yourself, take this harsh truth and build yourself up, right? You can either complain or get to the finish line and, and, and receive the spoils. And so to me, I found that, that obviously there was still you know, a little bit of toxicity here and there, but I found that to be really good. But then today, right, there is this, there is this, you know, I call it this de-evolution and we'll get into all my theories to why it's occurred. And so I find it so fascinating that that's the same exact experience that you went through and, and, and now leading you to the holistic message. So what, what got you to the holistic message from the, more, from the, the, the tra traditional red pill message? Hmm. So I committed myself to the traditional red pill message, a couple of years, university experience, actually started being able to like date girls, sleep around and stuff. And it was at the end of university, no, after, just after university, I went into like the real world and suddenly I realized I was not prepared for this. I hadn't been like working, even though the red pill did talk about this, I didn't really work on like the sort of finance success side. All I focused on was like the physique and, and getting girls. So when I did graduate from university, I graduated with a psychology degree, but it was a um, third honors. So I don't, it's pretty much like it's useless, honestly. You can't use that to get any kind of job. And um, suddenly, I, overnight, I go from like this party boy, red pill student to just unemployed and broke and like no no credentials to get employed or anything. And so when I do start like, you know, working some like low level jobs, customer service, very, very low wage, 17.5K a year full time, even more than full time. It was nine hour shifts per day. Um, 
worst mental health of my life. I didn't really know what mental health was just at the time. You know, it was it was not talked about that often. And someone who did speak about it back in the day, if you remember, like Terry Crews or anything, it, yep, it was kind 100%. of like this weird thing. You didn't totally understand. It was like, oh yeah, like you know, some some guys get this thing, but like it didn't hit me up until like I was already months into this. Up until I was crying most days. Uh, it's the story I always tell that like I would wake up and it'd be dark outside. It's in the UK, so it's usually dark. Wake up early go to the gym, like legit commute, uh, freezing cold outside, pitch black outside, get onto this tram. Um, and you know, in the city I lived, we had like this public transport. And I had been attacked in a similar kind of public transport just a few years earlier. So every single day, there'd be like this element of like PTSD, anxiety. I'd, I'd go to work sweaty because I had like this very unique experience. Like racist guys tried to attack me because of the 2018 Manchester bombing. And um Taking the, the tram into work, go, go go there early, so I'm there at like 6.30 a.m., work out, do the whole nine-hour shift, one-hour unpaid lunch, £8.41 per hour, so the whole day is like 60-something pounds. Um, finish at 6.30, literally like walking so fast, I've got shin splints because, you know, you wear the, with the work shoes and the tram stops like 20 minutes away, but if I get there in like 18 minutes, then I can get on the earlier tram and I save like 10 minutes to go back home. And it was always on the tram home, you're just packed next to people because I'm going at you know, the same time as everyone else. And it's usually like... Every now and then there was like some homeless guy screaming and just scary shit happening. Eventually get off the tram, start in this like dark alleyway towards my apartment. Always break down. Every, like honestly, three, four times a week, burst into tears in like, like this dark place. And the story I always tell is like, it's so dark that anyone who's walking there at, at this time, you know, 7 p.m. would put the um, flashlight on their phone, you know, so they can walk safely, you know, there might be like some some stuff on the floor or whatever. And I literally just would walk it without it. I would just fully walk it like pitch black. You genuinely can't see anything just because like I didn't want anyone to see me because I'd literally have tears down my face, anxious as hell. You see my apartment, I'm like trying to look through, you know, like out my window because I, I had a girlfriend. Like, oh, is she cheating on me? Like, it's just anxious. Like, you know, just paranoid, just terrible mental health. Imagine like every single day look, looking through the apartment thinking like, is, is there a guy fucking her right now? Like these, this was the thoughts I was getting. Go up, wipe the tears away in the elevator and like, yep, 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 I'm normal. Yep, let's, let's smoke weed for the rest of the night. That's going to help. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, um, that was like a day in the life, which um, I was working at this point. So terrible mental health. COVID happens, entrepreneurship, everything. I'm starting to like just about look into online income. And on Reddit, not on the, uh, the Red Pill, but just on a normal page, I see some people talking about this free online course you can take called The Science of Wellbeing. And they're saying, oh, you know, it's really good. It's about mental health. It's really good in, in these times of COVID when, you know, everyone's mental health is getting a bit worse. Take the course. Fantastic. It's, I think it's the most popular course online, like, just ever. I, th I think it's one of those, like, top five or something. And uh, it's called The Science of Wellbeing, and it's on the website Coursera. Completely free. It's from, like, this university in America. Amazing. It just tells you the science of, like, mental health, essentially. And I'm watching it like, whoa, this is exactly what I need. And, and so she breaks in what actually makes us feel happy and fulfilled. And it turns out it was none of the things that I, I had like believed for most of my life. It's, it's not even like, all right. So we, we kind of know, okay, it's, it's not money. It's not, um, you know, some big house or material possessions like cars. We kind of, you know, kind of knew that, right? But the things that I thought it would be, which was that it would be marriage. Even marriage doesn't significantly increase happiness. It would be building the perfect body. Even literally working so hard on your body, which was my main thing, doesn't even increase your happiness. When I saw this, I was like, oh yeah, like hedonic adaptation is this thing where like, once you've got it, it's just, you get used to it. So it's like, there, there isn't many things that actually make you happy, even though we kind of believe we do. Like our belief about what would make us happy or what would not is, is very wrong. And when there's been studies where they'll take people's perceived happiness after an event and actually put them through the events, it's no way. So for example, students think they'll be unhappy if they get a bad grade. 
but actually the science shows like their happiness doesn't even go down by like five percent it's it's so insignificant if they get a bad grade and after like three days it just goes back to baseline anyway there's only like literally four things that change someone's happiness and they're all about mental health like gratitude presence social connection and kindness and then like some physical health things like obviously you need good sleep and diet so i learned that stuff and this is when i started to realize oh this is a huge hole that i've never looked at in my life this was what i was lacking focus on um meditation gratitude journaling and my life changed forever after that mm. no that man that that is awesome and it's it's so fascinating because like i said um the the journey of mental health we was something that we really got passionate about. And because I have a very close friend who tried to, um, you know, end his life. And I remember him calling me after he got discharged from the mental institution and, and just the, the darkness that existed within. And so it's, I, I love your message so much because that, that darkness that exists within us all as men, we don't get to talk about it. And we try to put on this armor, right? The armor mm. of success, the armor of muscle, the armor of masculine bravado. And we think by putting on this armor on the outside, it will heal the darkness on the inside. And so what, one of the biggest pushbacks I've always had with the money and muscles argument is that, yo, you can have all the money and all the muscles, but if you go to bed every night crying and miserable and depressed and sad and resenting life itself, what's the purpose of it? So I absolutely love everything that you stand for because so many men are resonating, right? So many men are resonating because that's what people are feeling. Um, but it's not, it's not safe to express. And I, and I really respect you a lot for being a man who's open to expressing those things, right? Because I think there, there is this, we want to be so, especially when you weren't that guy, you want to be perceived as such a masculine, competent, dominant guy that you want people to see you as Superman, but you never want them to know that you're actually Clark Kent as well. So you never want to show the weaknesses of the armor, right? And so, what, so obviously you went through that personally as an individual. What made you now want to share that online without the idea and the, and, the, and, the, and the feeling of being judged and criticized about being overly expressive as a man. Mm. You know, I will quickly say that you mentioned the, the phrase money and muscles. And just in my mind, I was just thinking like, that's you, that, that has been the, the only focus for men for so long. But money and muscles, millionaires kill themselves and bodybuilders kill themselves. Like you can literally, within the last one year, there will be like some famous millionaire who's killed himself. Within the last one year, there's famous bodybuilders who have killed themselves. They had money and muscles. What's always missing with any man, literally that there can only be one thing that's missing in terms of a man with, you know, suicidal tendencies is just mental health. And mental health, it's kind of like the, the security that if you're gonna build up, you know, the, the success or the, or the physique or, or the relationship, if you're gonna build it up, the only way to actually appreciate those things is with good mental health. Like to be the depressed millionaire who can never even feel any level of like happiness or fulfillment from his achievements, it's like, it's pointless. It's, it, there's literally no, like if you don't feel anything about it, then it's just pointless. And if you, especially if you feel bad about it, if you feel anxious, if you're having negative thoughts, at that point, it's just like, you didn't really achieve anything. You don't even get to like feel your achievements. 
And so I think it's crucial. The two pillars of, of mental health, like the best ones, is literally just meditation and gratitude. Once you have both of them, it's like you can actually live like a fantastic life. And I just want to say right now quickly, like if there is anyone who's struggling with this, it, I often get called quite insensitive when I say this, but honestly, it takes about two weeks to drastically improve your mental health, even if you've lived with like bad mental health for years and years and years, even if you've been diagnosed with certain conditions. Two weeks, I've, I've always found, and I've got nothing to sell you in terms of mental health stuff, right? So it's only your benefit. But two weeks always shows a huge improvement if you just try to meditate and do gratitude journaling and also try and improve some physical health things like exercise, get some sunlight, go outside and um, try and improve your sleep. Uh, what I do is like this experiment, there's um, online forms, a questionnaires you can put in to get like a mental health score. And of course, you, we can argue the validity of these, but it's just for like tracking pro progress. There's an NHS one, so the UK's NHS that I like. You'll get a score. And once you follow this plan of like, there's nothing to tell you, literally just meditate every single day. It's for free. You can find like free meditation videos online. Uh, gratitude journaling is for free. Just get a piece of paper and, or, or, on your uh, phone and just write. I am grateful for X. I'm grateful for my parents because they did this. I'm grateful for this bathrobe because it's what I always wear for videos. And just literally that every single day for two weeks, for most people halves the symptoms, like the, the score that they get on the, the questionnaires that I make them take, which every time I've told someone this, who's especially if, if they're very deep in like the mental illness, they're on antidepressants, they always think I'm being a dick, quite frankly, because I'm telling them, oh, like, you know, like the thing you've lived with for, for 10 years, we can get rid of it in two weeks. And no one's like, you know, the doctor's never told them about meditation. The doctor's never told them about gratitude journaling. And time and time again, like this is why, I, you know, you've asked me this question, why I've wanted to speak about this, because once I did it to myself, I had bad mental health for years. Once I fixed it in two weeks, I'd say 50% reduced the, the poor symptoms in two weeks. It was almost like this thing of like, what? what? It was literally all I had to like, and you know, it's two weeks, but the time required was less than five minutes per day. That it blew my mind and I was like, wait, why don't more people know about this? And then with my best friend, my first employee, Sam, when I met him, he was a total Jeffrey. Like I'm fully, like we laugh about this now, but like fully, total, 100% loser, 14 hours a day on video games. I've never been this level, by the way, but like he literally didn't brush his teeth for weeks at a time. That, that level of like mental illness, antidepressants, everything. When I told him two weeks, I remember he literally thought I was like lying. I was being like condescending or something that, you know, I was being like sort of... Um, you know, I was, like, it, it, it's kind of an insult to hear that, isn't it? If you've suffered with something for so long. Two weeks, he's already feeling better. I think about two, three months, he's off antidepressants. Now he's in Dubai with me, like living his, his best life. And it started with literally just, yep, try and exercise every day, try and meditate every day, try and do gratitude journaling every day, try and like just improve your sleep a little bit, improve your diet a little bit. And um, that's, that's why I work so relentlessly, honestly. That's why I wake up at like 5 a.m. every day. That's why I work for hours and hours like all day like all I'd really do is productive stuff you know I don't do any like bad habits anymore just because it's like this message needs to be spread across so, like I feel like I've got like the knowledge inside of me that I'm, I'm trying my best to like spread it as wide as you know and we've done so well on one million subscribers but it's not enough there's there's hundreds more millions of men who are struggling right now and if they can hear this message then we can help all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to go ahead and talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors at BetterHelp Counseling. As I've said multiple times, I am not a counselor. Chris is not a therapist. We're simply men who like to have great conversations and share our opinions. But we still feel like a lot of you guys need counseling. You need therapy. You need additional support to help you on your journey to life. That's why we partner with BetterHelp. 
Guys, BetterHelp offers you licensed professional counseling from the comfort of your own home. And not just that, one of the challenges people face with counseling is sometimes you may not like your counselor and you want to go to a different one and it's very difficult to change. But BetterHelp makes it extremely easy. Guys, go to betterhelp.com slash roommate to sign up today. Please, men and women alike, do not neglect your mental health. Take this opportunity, take this year to make a commitment to becoming the best version of yourself, but you got to do so emotionally and going to counseling will drastically transform your life. Go to betterhelp.com slash roommates. You'll be able to get a discount from our content. Thank you guys so much. Let's continue to get better and let's get back to this week's episode. I love it. I love it, man. Um, so powerful, Hobbit. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think... Uh, Patrick Bed David broke down men's mental health to me really well. And hopefully you may have heard this, but this is just a beautiful piece of advice. He said, anxiety happens when you look too far into the future. Depression happens when you're looking too far into the past. Because what happens for depression is when men are looking back into the past, it's always looking back with regret, right? Mm. And a lot of men are a prisoner of the past. So when you're, when you're constantly replaying that movie of that girl who rejected you, that dad who said he never loved you, when you're constantly replaying that, that it's, it's literally like staying in that perpetual state of misery. But then what anxiety does is anxiety now takes that misery from the past and it projects into the future. It's, and it's anxiety says not only was yesterday horrible, but tomorrow's going to be even worse. And so the perspective of, of depression is, man, my life sucks. Look at the history of, of, of pain, looking at the past, and my future sucks even more. Look at the worst things that are going to happen. And I love your point about gratitude because gratitude sees a sliver of light in both of them. It's see, having gratitude, you're grateful for the good of yesterday, the good that exists today, and the potential good that exists tomorrow. And so th- while it seems like, oh my gosh, Hamza is giving his, you know, philosophical platitudes. No, this is psychologically proven things that alleviate the prisons that men have. Like, I cannot tell you, Hamza, like, this. I have books in my parents' house when I was around your age and I had to move back home and, and, I, and I was rejected. The, the amount of darkness I was going through because in my mind, I thought tomorrow was going to be worse than today. And it wasn't until I, I even w- one of my core values with my family that I'm teaching my, teaching my, everyone in my family is that gratitude point. You have to have the understanding that in the midst of the chaos, there is a rose that's blooming out of the concrete. And once you're able to look at that rose, that thing blows, blossoms into this garden that can reinvigorate reinvigorate and heal your mind and so like i said man i love what you do so much man like it it, it, when when i when i found you i i I was i was shocked hamza i'm being honest with you i was shocked because i didn't for all my years in the space for all the work that i've put in i didn't think anybody would have a message this pure and have this many men rock with. I'm being honest. I saw so many people who I, I liked them, but they sold the, their message to reach the masses by diluting it and doubling down on things that they knew weren't healthy in the long run. 
but seeing your content and seeing this pure healthy message that was creating healthy men and and my what blows my mind is how much your guys rock with the message like i i love that i love your audience man because your guys actually want to hear these positive things they don't just want to be nihilistic and complain and be resentful and and just all these things so so my question obviously you're, you're getting emails after emails and people are telling you all great things about you what do you think it is about your message that resonates with 1.2 million men from all across the world men are happy I think this message is, is so needed. I don't even think I'm that special. I think I, you know I'm doing a pretty good job of conveying the message and I think I'm very good at organizing a team. And so we've got brilliant editors who are making the message more palatable, especially to a younger audience. But but the need has been there already. Like there was a, there was a spot in the internet in, in the manosphere to fill. It was men aren't happy, men aren't happy with their lives. The, the young teenager right now, 15 years old, he, he's incredibly lonely. If he does have some friends, he'd consider them Jeffries and they just play video games. He's, he's got a porn addiction, which is much worse than what any, like, you know, what you and I might have experienced. Like these, I've spoke to kids who are 11, 12, 13 years old, who if he's, they got given iPads, age three, age four. You're older than me, so I expect like you got your first smartphone, late teenage years probably. Like I got mine, I think 14, 15, you know, that was like, it, iPhones came out when I was midway through high school. And that was like, porn back then was like, the video content was quite somewhat like new for like the other young kids and everything. Now it's like, bro, 80 year olds are watching porn these days. Mm. When, when you think about that, like how many years they've been getting this content. Six year olds have got TikTok accounts, accounts. There's 10 year old girls posting essentially soft core child porn onto TikTok and, and 10 year old boys are watching this. And these mm. boys, the only, only kind of like, footage of, of girls females they're seeing on, online is promiscuous provocative content and then so you know their, their minds already been messed up we know the dangers of porn and how, how that just messes you up but then let's say in the real world these these boys come into class and they can't help but like look at women like sexual objects because that's the only way they actually see them that's the only way that a lot of girls these mm. days portray themselves on the internet which isn't like i don't even blame them for this because the whole system's just messed up because like they're rewarded for this they're rewarded for devaluing themselves for like showing more skin and so the boys when they only see that now that they've got these weird dark thoughts when they've been told don't look at women like this but here she is like here's a you know only fan sale and she's she's underage right now but that's okay like you know to treat her like a queen but we're gonna treat you like shit Improve yourself, but his his porn, his video games, his drugs, his his food that's been meticulously designed to addict you and to, to make your health worse just because this company will make more profit. So men aren't happy. Men are at this huge, huge uphill battle. And the thing is, women are too, but women have a lot more places, safe spaces. They have a lot more incentive. Like, you know, any kind of like social movement these days is for women. Any kind of um, company, you know, like new, uh, what's the word, like, new um you know like a program in a company to hire more people it's, it's gonna they're gonna be hiring like women. initiatives that's the word they're gonna be hiring more women there's initiatives to bring more women into uni even though there's more women who go to uni there's initiatives to help them to perform better even though they're consistently women like females like they, they perform better in every single age in the education system than males do 
and there's no there's no program for men there's no like actual okay safe space for men okay we need to improve men's grades we need to get more men into nursing for example which is a field that there's barely any men in there's there's no in, in, initiatives for that there's no there's no um you know i've researched this there was some like male only homeless shelters and they keep getting converted to like any sex, which then means that women and children get the priority, which you know probably they should. But this means that there's a, there's a lot more male homeless people who are actually like homeless, homeless, like literally on the street homeless. Whereas the amount of women who are on the street is significantly less. In, in almost like any area you can think of, males are literally performing worse. And when, when I like said this out loud and when I saw these, these facts, it's like, I got branded as like a bad person for this. Like I got called a misogynist for this. And I've never once said, oh, we need to hurt women. We need to bring them down. I think it's awesome that like, you know, women in, in all ages are doing better than men. Okay, sweet. Let's bring men up now. And just being in the, the male space and only really thinking about men gets you branded as like a bad person these days. But I've been, I've been willing to take that because I see the impact. I see how digestible this message is to the guys who truly need it. And I don't even think like we're at one tenth of the, the potential audience for the guys who are so keen for the message. So that's, that's why I do what I do. I love it with all my heart, man. So um, I'm going to share a little bit about my journey as well, because I think it's really good. And I think it's going to help the audience a lot, especially as we dive into this next part of the conversation. So when I was 19 years old, I, I became a Christian. And it's easy for people to take that as like, I became very religious, but like my spiritual awakening caused me to have awareness. And the awareness that I had was like, people were hurting behind the scenes. So I was playing college football at Troy University. And though I wasn't a starter by any stretch of the imagination, I was well connected with a lot of great players on the team. And I remember one of my friends, I won't mention his name, he, um, went on to play in the NFL, there was a time he, he you know, he's a, the typical Adonis, right? 6'4", jacked, handsome guy, charismatic, can get any girl on campus. And I remember one, late one night, he grabbed his gun and he put it in his mouth and was just like, and you saw the brokenness on the inside. So, so my journey is like men have always opened up to me about their pains. So um, I ended up quitting college football, and I, all I did on campus was mentor guys. I, I, I didn't care about football anymore at 19. I, I didn't, all I cared about was mentoring guys. So I mentored guys all throughout college. After college, I went to work at a church where I worked for college students again. Then I went to work at a preschool where I, where I was dealing with young, younger boys without dads. That was a whole other experience that I went through. Then I coached high school football. Then I moved to Texas, and, I, and then I coached middle school football, and I taught middle school. And so I, in my life, I, I've seen, I personally, from literally zero to 21, I've taught men of all ages, like an official job. And as you pointed out, I, I constantly see that this message is, is needed. Hamza's message, my message, the message of, of, of helping building up men because men are failing in so many different areas. Like you said, in the education system, I believe in some places, major cities in the UK, women are out earning men, right? They're, like men uh -huh. are really falling behind and there's this huge chasm and this huge gap where no one's addressing men. But one of the things that I've also seen is that my fear is that now there's these 
bad actors, in my opinion, who are who 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 notice the hurt, the pain, the chasm that's going on in the lives of men. And these bad actors are now playing on the male insecurity, feeding their rage and anger and providing them no long-term holistic solutions. And that to me up, up recently has been one of the most frustrating things as someone who's been doing this for a decade of his life and who's as passionate about it as you are seeing a lot of these bad actors in play. So I'm very curious in your opinion, you don't have to, we don't have to mention any names here, but have you noticed some of this infiltration inside the men's improvement space? And what are your thoughts about some of the content that shares is helping men, but it's really hurting them in the long run? Mm -hmm. I've seen the rise of that. So although I've only been posting videos of this topic for about two years, I've been looking into this space for a while. And so I've seen the rise of, of these men who are in a similar space to you and I. And I, I just, I don't think they, they think very long term and, and purposefully. Like one of the issues with, you know, our movement itself is like, I, I, every decision needs to be made with purpose. And that's incredibly hard to do when you've got your own like selfish, tend you know, we've all got like this selfish hedonistic desire. Like I want more money, I want this and this. And so making these decisions for the long term is very difficult. So I don't blame the guys who aren't really choosing long term purpose of this, but you can see the content of some of the guys in our, in our space and a friend of mine puts this really well. A friend of mine is Chris Williamson, so he's another podcaster you might have seen in Modern Wisdom. And he said that the guys who are out there right now in our space are what he calls level one red pillars. Where sure that you know they're spreading the message, yeah, nice, like hypergamy, women can get guys, women want 100k, and yeah, fair enough. Sure, you're spreading the message, but their spread their message is then contradicted by themselves because then they encourage men to sleep around with as many women as possible, which I have I've previously done that, which is my issue. But once you've done that and you've shown, okay. For women, it's a bad thing to sleep around. For men, it's a good thing. What you're literally just doing is like, it, it's a lose-win situation. So it, it's just like feminism switched where it's like, this can't be a long-term solution. For, for a long-term solution, if we're really trying to figure this out and like change the entire world, which I think we've got the, the possibility to have really set this in motion, we need to think of something which is win-win for both man and woman. And right now, this space is, is a joke, honestly. The space is like, like you, you've probably experienced this. It's like, if you've told people that this, you're in the male space, it's like, you're, you're seen as a weirdo you're seen as like a bad guy because their perception is of the guys who shout get loud scream at women because they think men should women and women should lose when we can come together to think of a strategy in which both sexes win then this will no longer be like this weird um you know dark society like underground place which you know if you search up the red pill on, on google anyone can go do that now it's like misogyny 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 which isn't supposed to be the point the point of red pill is just bringing back to like traditional values man is masculine woman is feminine but what we've got right now is more of this men versus women. Yeah. What we need yeah. is men plus women versus the problem. Once we achieve that, I think the entire world could change from that. I believe that 100%. And so um, it's interesting because this past year, I've actually, I've actually stopped making content as much. And I've been really investing into my new company, The Standard, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later because I see a lot of synergy in what you're doing. Because what I realized was while this information is great, men need other men. You know what I mean? It's great that they have me on a screen, but they need other men in real life to actually live life together, to actually have people to talk upon, talk to brothers whose shoulder they can cry on, men that they can lean upon. So I've been spending a lot of my energy building up this real community of men. I'm really excited about connecting you with 
with, with it um, when you come down here as well. But to your point, one of the things I've, I've told people is I've, I've met a lot of people in the space, a lot of people, and people tell me a whole bunch of stories. And one of the things that I've, I've realized and I've seen is that there is a financial incentive for keeping men and women apart. And I, and I, and I explained to it, uh, you may not be familiar with this as much because you're not in America, but like American political news is not here to bring the country together. Like CNN and Fox News, CNN and M I mean, MSNBC, like they're not here to bring America together. They're here to pit both sides at each other because what gets people spending money is how can I make so-and-so as mad at their enemy as possible, right? So in the, during the Trump era, CNN was printing money by fueling the rage that, that people on the left had for Donald Trump, right? And vice versa, whenever it's a Democratic um, president, the people on the right do the same thing as well. So you have this content machine that's incentivizing the anger Right. And it's and, and, and one of the things that I, I've shared, because you, you're a big anime guy, right? Nah, I've never watched it before. Now, anime. So you play video games without the anime. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting combination. OK, so I'm a big anime guy. So there, there's this anime called Yu Hakusho. I won't bore you with the details. But in the episode, there's this hero who gets what they call like a, a black tape series. And a black tape is a video of the worst in humanity. So it shows you all the rapes, all the incest, all the murders, all the child sacrifice. And this man watched this video and he's a hero. You can only imagine what happens after watching the worst of humanity all day long. He then feels like humanity needs to burn. He goes on his crusade to now destroy all of humanity. So one of the things that I've been noticing is that a lot of men, they're consuming so much of, like you said, this shouting, this animosity videos towards women. And now it's causing them to not even want to deal with women. So my question is, how did you get to the point where the, 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 the red pill rage didn't corrupt your heart? And then how did you then get the holistic, healthy view, which you have now that men and women are better together than they are apart? Mm, that's a really good question, actually. The, so the normal pathway of going down like this kind of content, especially, you know, if someone watches our content, this is maybe like, it's somewhat the red pill, but you know, it's beginning stages. But then of course, they'll be recommended by the algorithm of like more deeper and deeper and deeper content. Some of them will fall into like the black pill, which is, you know, only genetics matter. If you don't have this eyelid shape, then you should kill yourself like weird shit like that. If you're not, if you're not six foot four, you should kill yourself. Like, men are getting these messages right now. To not get into like this weird nihilistic hateful red pill rage I honestly I, I went into it for, for a while but my my own sort of selfish desires and goals were always above it so instead of hating on women it was just I wanted to like win them I wanted to like you know it was I wanted to use them essentially you know through like a couple of years maybe two years of like partying and just going out to clubs and using tinder and stuff all I cared about was just sleeping with as many girls as possible and the only time that my journey became a lot more positive was when I began to actually research so much more instead of, you know, the red pill and all this stuff online, I just started to look into literally just masculine energy, feminine energy. 
once you understand these two, it's like all that's left is like this beautiful synergy of, of man and woman. And there was one book that totally changed my life for this, and it's called The Way of the Superior Man by David Dieter. That's the Bible, uh, baby. <laughs> Where is like, it at? Book, amazing book. And, you know, there's been times in the last two years or so since I've read the book that I'll go into the red pill again, right? So I'll start reading the old posts or I'll start looking at like some YouTube videos and my mind actually starts to get like a little bit of the red pill rage and a little bit of anxiousness. And you know, all you're hearing those things are like, oh, women are cheating and women are like this and women are like this and men are, you know, it's, it's quite negative, it's hostile, it's man versus woman. And the moment that then I switch over and start reading a chapter of the way the superior man, I have this like beautiful desire for like feminine energy in my life where you start to realize like how important that is as a man. Like so many men, like you said, like men are going their own way. Now men are, men are just choosing not to date, women are choosing not today barely anyone's having sex anymore everyone's upset the only person who's really winning in the modern sort of dating standards that has been set from feminism very interestingly is the high value man like in, in general the high value man like the, the top one percent man's always going to win no matter what happens in society and so even though there's been a lot of female sexual um freedom in the last you know 50 years and, and now it's totally normal for like a woman to sleep around before there was religious and social norms that they had to like defy for that what the issue is like now only the chads are, are winning and when you when you switch over to thinking more like this masculine and feminine energy synergy just suddenly you realize like how beautiful life could be when you have that in your in your life and i, I think the red pill generally misses that because even like the best kind of red pill content didn't really talk about this. It didn't, it didn't really mention like this beautiful synergy. It was always just really just practical. Okay. Here's how to get girls. And so when you're doing that and you don't, and you're not even aware of like, you know, this energy that we have inside of us, you do it more for this, like almost like this egotistical vanity goal of like, yep. Like, you know, that means I'm a good person. That means I'm a child. If I go sleep with this girl, so that's awesome without realizing like that there's so much more like depth to the experience that you could get. So the way of the superior man changed it all for me. And that book, like you said, it's honestly, it's become my Bible. I've, I've recapped it more than 20 times. It's just like, I'm, I'm not the master of it whatsoever, honestly. I, I have to keep reading it like every month or so. And I'll just, you know, like once you've read it, I'm sure you've, you do this. You've read it a bunch of times, you know roughly each chapter. Now, like you'll, you'll kind of get the thought of like a one particular chapter that you need to read right now. You'll go back and read it. And just suddenly it just makes you like love women and feminine energy so much more. And if I could go back age 17, I'm not sure if I'd totally stop younger Hamza from getting into the red pill because the way the superior man doesn't talk about, you know, like building success, doesn't talk about, oh, here's how, here's how to lift weights to, you know, one gram of protein per pound of body weight and stuff. It doesn't talk, talk about those specifics, but I'd, I'd get younger Hamza, I'd give him that book and mo that would have gotten him most of the way, honestly. Man, that's so beautiful. Um, everybody who knows me knows the way the superior man, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, 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 the trifecta is the way the superior man, 12 rules for life by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson and no more missing the nice guy by Dr. Robert Glover. True enough story. The most, and I'm, and cause I love, cause I, I'm such a big fan of you. I'm gonna give you all the tea. I actually lied. There was, it was, there was somebody else I wanted on the podcast more than anybody in the world. And that was David data. I was willing, you know, I got a lot going on, which is why I couldn't come to Dubai. But trust me, next time, next interview, we're doing it in person. I, wherever you at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come find you. But I wanted David Data more than anything. I had a feeling he was like at the top of the Andes Mountains, like, like levitating yeah, somewhere, you know what I mean? And true enough story, Hamza, he agreed to come on the show. But he said no video. I was greedy. And then I, I was like, uh, can I... 
can I get some video, please? And just ask David. And then eventually, the I guess the wind blew. Mother Nature told him to go this way. And he said, oh, he can't do it now. Try again in a couple of years. So one day, I, 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 I prayed to God. I might even reach out to him after this call. I get David data back because the, to me, Hamza, I've, I've always, I'm about balance, right? And so what I, so somebody once told me that imagine life is a number line, right? And in the middle is this pure, this perfect balance. So yin yang, you know, like this, the, the line in between is this perfect balance. The balance is, is the good, is the greatest good, and it's the truth. On one end, it's like, let's say positive five on the number line. The other end is negative five. You have these two extremes, right? You, you want to get to the balance. What I love that David Data, in his weird mystic way, strike this balance of the, the power of masculinity with the respect and value of femininity, right? Because oh, it's like, you don't want to be, you know, all women are angels, right? That's the quote-unquote blue pill naivete, but you don't want to also go to all women are demons, which is the modern red pill, a.k.a. black pill, you know, nihilism, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I love what you brought up because the way the superior man, when people read that versus a lot of this other red pill pop propaganda books we don't got to get into, the way the superior man really embodies this beautiful synergy. And also another thing that I personally noticed was that life happens offline, which is why I'm big on the standard, which is why I love that you do with your events. When you go out into the real world, not when you're watching red pill videos about the craziest women in society, when you actually go out into the real world and you see men who have healthy, feminine women, it's probably one of the most beautiful things you'll ever experience in your life. And so when you see that good exists in the world, you, it's your natural masculine imperative to want to bond with the feminine. And so to me, I, that's nothing about your message that I love, right? Is that it, it, it shows because for so many men, the insecurity, right, of us is that we want to feel competent. We want to feel masculine. So we use sex as a measuring point, right? Sex is the litmus test for masculinity. The more I have sex, the more of a man I am. But the moment you free your insecure self, as Aubrey Marcus talks about, right, as you free that inner child of yours, and then you yearn for the divine feminine, this merger, right? Well, I know we're getting crazy here, but this merger is actually liberating as well. And so I think that's something that's also missing while they talk about the worst of women, which exists, they don't talk about that feminine, healthy, life-giving mm. force that exists. And I feel like a lot of men suffer because of it. Yeah, totally. And you won't see many contents of like the best of women. You won't see it. Like what you said before is like the negativity and, and the aggression and the negative emotions they sell. If me and you want to get more views right here, right now, we can go make a video. All women are hoes. That's going to be, you know, like one out of 10 on YouTube analytics that we're going to look at it like, oh, wow. Okay. This is the message that guys want to see dopamine. Yes. We feel great. Okay. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. The issue is that a lot of guys who are in our space, you know, they, they do talk about masculinity, but they don't realize like the most important part of masculinity is responsibility. Like if, if you want to be a man, you need to be responsible for everything that happens. And so you need to like deep dive into the impact your content is going to have on people. And these guys, like they don't realize that they're actually leaders. They don't realize that they're, they're real influencers. Like, you know, by, by creating content, by having an audience, you're an influencer and you've got to think what impact is going to have on your, on your people who are following you. And, and 
I think it's mostly negative, honestly, at this point. I think there's there's some shining like beacons of light in, in our space and, and more and more will come as you know this message is, is getting more generalized and like more normal guys are gonna start spreading this message, which would be nice. But so far it's like it's like a dark cloud of like of labels of toxic masculinity, misogyny, hatefulness and everything, because there isn't enough guys who are actually portraying like a positive message. I posted a little like highlight reel of me and my girls uh, trip to Scotland. So we took like a one week um, road trip, did like this, like you drive literally all around like the peak of the UK like this, it takes like six days or something. And you're literally just in nature. Literally the only time I used my phone was literally just to record a couple of clips. And um, it's, you know, it's just a beautiful video. You see us like camping outside, you see us like driving around nature and everything. I'm like um, swimming in like the cold lakes and everything. And if you see the comments underneath that video, every single guy is saying like, this is the life, like, not only are they proud of me for reaching this point, but also they're like, wow, like, I'm actually so jealous. Like, this is exactly the life I want to live. And so one of the messages, if there's any, like, big red pill creators, like, if, honestly, like, the, the positive message still gets a lot of views. It still gets so many more comp compliments. Like, if anything, people like you more. It doesn't have as much, like, possibility of going viral because hateful content will always, you know, negative emotion will always trigger us way more. But for the long term, like the longevity of your own movements, I think you need to be spreading some kind of positive message, which is a win-win. Like, you know, you see this video of me and my girl, it's, like, it's a win-win for both of us, isn't it? It's like, we both have an awesome relationship. We, we both feel very happy with this. And yeah. like, I don't see why, why we shouldn't spread a message like that, because in the end, is, is that not the goal in the first place? Like, sure, okay, we can say, okay, here's some of the problems with the modern dating, you know, here's hypergamy, here's women who have really high standards, and, you know, we can understand why, you know, Tinder and Instagram dating has really messed up women's dating standards, and men are lonely. We can talk about the negativity, but in the end, like, we need a solution to it. Just focusing on the negative stuff is like, that's, that's not a solution, like... Do you know what I mean? The, the solution most of these guys give is, is that sort of shallow, like, yeah, like, make loads of money and then you can be the guy, you can be the, the you know, the 1% of guys who are sleeping with these girls. But that advice is going to be very outdated soon because, like, only a certain number of guys can follow that advice. Now what's going to happen is, like, everyone's turning into a chad, so, like, now it's going to be the 0.1% of men who are able to sleep with girls. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, this can't last, honestly. This, this long-term thing, it can't last. It has to stop at some point. Maybe it'll stop by, like, you know, the momentum's already started with you and I. And eventually when men and women realize that we actually need each other, and especially women realize this too, because they're, you know, they're getting propaganda as well. They're getting, you go girl mentality, you don't need a guy, men are useless and everything. Once we realize this, I think happiness and mental health will be re restored. That's so beautiful, man. And there's so many layers that you, that you talk about. It's so fascinating, the, 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 the logical inconsistencies <clears throat> of the arguments, right? And one of the logical inconsistencies that I noticed was, Okay, like, I'm mad because all these guys are running through all these women, and there's none for me, and all the women want the Chads, right, and the Tyrones, and no, no women wants me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to now become the Chad or Tyrone, run through all the women, and then make somebody else mad that I'm now running through the women because it's a doggy dog world. It's a screw or be screwed, and I'm going to screw everybody else because everyone else is screwing me. And mm. so to me, it, it, I, I, just, I thought it was interesting. I was like, wait, you're, you're, I remember somebody was telling me about like getting mad at women for not sleeping with him on like the first three days, they had, like typical red pill points. Women's first three days should have sex. And I was like, you can't tell women that they're whores for sleeping around and then demand all of them to sleep around with you the moment you're with them. 
Like you can't get mad. Like if if they're if if they're gonna be whores, either you celebrate it and you indulge, or you don't you don't condone the behavior. And so I see so many inconsistencies, like you said, which is why I'm like this. This is a fad. Um, like pickup that I remember in the early 2000s, this is a fad that's not sustainable because you're right. Like it's only it's only gonna get worse if the if the men are like, you know what, we're gonna triple down into the filth, into the darkness, and to the point that you brought up Hamza. Like I'm going back to why I love you so much, is that so many people never thought that you can be good and have a prominent message in society. That's one of the things that the biggest happiness that's come with the roommates, right? As men teaching, leveling up physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, teaching a holistic message, we were able to get to where we were. That's why for me, the internet, I, like last year I was done with the internet. I want I wanted to build communities in person because it, it, now men have the hope that I don't have to do this negative message to be famous, right? Now I have... Now I can look at Hamza and Hamza is teaching holistic, healthy men. And as a byproduct, he's doing great. He has a beautiful woman, he has a beautiful life. So I don't have to go that path, right? So to me, what's so great about what you're doing is that you're showing men, you don't have to go this dark path. You don't have to go this dark way, that there is a way to the light and it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. And, and, and so to me, Obviously, the criticism is, oh, that's easy for Hamza. That's easy for Hamza to say. He, he's an Adonis, right? I'm a Jeffrey. So to the guys who are hearing you share about this love and this happiness and, and all the beauty, and they're like, that's easy for Hamza to say. He's an Adonis, and I'm not. What, what is your message to that guy who's looking at your life and saying, you're an exception, you're not the rule, and I don't even believe that's even real? Mm, simple. Go, go look at some old pictures of me. You could, bro, I, I was not attractive at all. I was not happy. You can literally see, I just posted some old videos to my second channel. It's called, the, the channel's Hamza Unfiltered. You can see some videos like on the channel page look different. They've got a different thumbnail. And the title is called, I want to quit my job. You can see me debating, wanting to quit my full-time job because I make 64 pounds a day. And I'm high, I'm like the video's being recorded by the girl I was dating at the time. I hated her. I was anxious about her. I thought she was cheating on me every day. I was literally high in the video. You can see what my life was like. Three, four years ago, I was making eight pounds 41 per hour. I, I believe I make that every, a, a ridiculous, every minute or something now, which is a ridiculous amount, honestly. Every, the, the amount we're making now with like this moving is, is crazy. And my life has been very different and, and sure, 100% there's this, there's some aspects of luck, 100%. Is I'm, I'm six foot one. That's probably my like best genetic feature. I'm six foot one, which is like, it's pretty fairly tall. I think average height in the UK is like 5'10". So I was a little bit taller than most of the guys. But I wasn't this age. Honestly, I was, I was five foot four until <laughs> I was eight, 17 years old. So I was literally in, like I was in army cadets, like this group, right? And at the start, you're training to be in the army or something, right? And you line up, you do your little salute thing and you line up in high order. And literally imagine the smallest girl stood to the right of me because she was a little bit taller than me. So imagine how embarrassing that was that I was, I was short for all my life. And just, I really got lucky with that, so fair enough. But honestly, apart from that, it's like, my dad is a taxi driver. My mom was a, a stay-at-home housewife. So my, my luck, 100%, is my dad's incredibly hardworking. 
60 to 80 hour weeks consistently, you know, one, one parent earner, which meant that when I was living that sort of poor life, you know, working full time in, in the city, I was able to come back home and not needed to work straight away, which meant that I could, you know, I was 23 years old, living at home with my parents. I was claiming uh, government welfare, so I was literally on, on benefits. In the UK, we call it universal credit. So I was getting about 300 pounds, $350 a month as a 23 year old. So I had the safe, like the space to come back home and put all of my free time into, into the work. And the thing is like, that's, that makes me lucky 100% because some people can't do that. But the thing is, I also could have spent that time on video games. I also could have spent that time going to the pub and, and you know, just messing around and watching Netflix. Like, you know, this was through COVID. Most people just did that. And quite frankly, like everyone had the choice through COVID because a lot of people were off work as well. So like everyone had the choice to like do, do what they want. I chose to make this movement. I chose to just like, at the, at the moment, obviously I didn't think it was a movement. I was literally just trying to like be a YouTuber and just make money and stuff. But yeah, like, I put in the work for this, honestly. I'm certainly lucky in some aspects, but, that's, but because my life has been so different in the last few years, you can see, okay, I wasn't born as a YouTuber. I wasn't born like, um, you know, making as much money as we are now or with as much happiness as we are now. Like I'd, I've not watched a movie in two and a half years. I've not played video games in two and a half years. I've not um, watched a single TV show one second, not even one second, mate, of two and a half years. I, I love eating junk food. I've maybe done it like 20 times over the last couple of years. Drugs, absolute minimal. I've smoked weed like a couple of times to like celebrate some things. Okay, fair enough. That's a bit degenerate, but that's, that's it. That's two and a half years. I've not taken weekends off. I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day. I work, I go to the gym. I go onto my Discord server, speak to the guys who are in, in my movements and then go to sleep at like 8 p.m. every single day. My social life is that of my work. It's like, it, this, it, it's very easy to say this is luck, this is genetics, but come on, man. It's, I think a large part of it is literally just hard work and can, commitment. And, and a lot of it's just sacrifice, honestly. I've sacrificed like um, a lot of the pleasure. And um, Muhammad Ali has this really good quote, like where he's asked like, what's the hardest part of his training? And the interviewer's trying to insinuate, is it like the push-ups, the cardio or something? And he says, it's none of that. He says. It's the sacrifice, it's going to bed at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. It's not, it's the sacrifice of women, it's the fact, sacrifice of drinking, of going to the clubs. You know, he, at the time he had some money, he could go and enjoy himself. That was the hardest part of his training. And I think it's, it doesn't feel very difficult for me now not to indulge in anime or RuneScape or something. But it's like, you know, for two and a half years, whilst everyone else was saying, yeah, one hour a day is fine, like, I said it wasn't. So... If I was able to make myself like this, starting from where I started with my dad making, you know, just maybe a little bit above me, like minimum wage, poor education. Like, you know, I had British education, which is nice, but I didn't perform well. I was always mindless. I had bad mental health through all of the education system. If I was able to do this, like, I genuinely believe a lot of people are uh, more intelligent than me, like genetically. I, don't, I actually don't think I'm like that smart. I think I've worked very hard to like, you know, read a lot of books and everything, but naturally, like I was quite dumb. I'm not going to lie. Like naturally, like a math, I was pretty good at just generally like, you know, six years old, but everything else, like I really struggled with. But the last couple of years, like I've read hundreds of books. All I do for fun is literally just read books now. And now I've like just started to be a little bit more social because I'm at the level of success where more success is going to come from networking like this. Otherwise, literally, I didn't even like, you know, you, you tried to invite me for this interview like a while ago. I didn't even reply because like I literally like my full focus was just on the tasks I was doing. I didn't even want to like talk to other people. All I was focused on is keep reading books, keep teaching the boys what I'm learning. I put in a lot of work for this. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and I think, uh, very, very similar, very similar to you. And I'll, I'll share a little bit off camera, but some things I don't want to share on, on camera, but, um, 
I love your lo- I love your life because it reminds me of myself, and it and it shows men. My my rule of thumb, Hamza, is this: if somebody can win in life with my hand, why not me? Right? If somebody can win in life with my hand, whether that's I'm tall, I'm short, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Pakistani, I'm Indian, you know what I mean? I'm Muslim, I'm Christian. I have two great parents, I was foster kid. If someone in this life can win with the hand that God has dealt me, why not me? And I acknowledge, I acknowledge that for most people, they may not win. I acknowledge that. But I'm not most people. And so to me, that mindset of gratitude also creates the mindset of expectation of what is good, which combines with a, a work ethic to achieve the good, right? Like if most pe- most men statistically cannot make over 100K, right? But th- most men will still strive to do so. You don't like even if most men can't do it, you still as a man are going to say, I want what's best for my life and I'm going to strive to do so. I want that for every man physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And so to me, I like 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 I said, what we're building with the standard, we call it the standard man. You call it Adonis. But it's like there's somebody out there who's all for those things. Why not you? And to me, Mm -hmm. it's so easy for people to say, well, Hamza, you're handsome. Well, you may have been 5'4 at one point, but now you're 6'1", right? It's easy for you to say, but what I love that I'm building as well as what you're building is that we have a community of guys where it's like, pick your excuse, and we have a guy in the community of, that we have, and he's doing the same thing. Now what's your excuse? Oh, it's easy for you. You're five. He's 5'3", five and he's crushing it. What's your excuse? Well, you had two parents. He was raised in foster care because his dad killed his mother. What's your excuse? Like, 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 and to me... The, 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 the desire is giving men a path. And that's what I love that you do. It's not so much that Hamza is saying, I want to be great in life and sell off in the sunset with me and my girl, which he can easily do. But no, everywhere I'm getting better, every way I'm improving, I want to help men learn the things that I've learned and to benefit their lives. So if there's one thing, if there's a guy right now, 25 years old, not happy with his life, not not living the life to its full potential. If there's one message, one piece of advice that helped transform your life that will get that man up to become the man he was created to be, what would that message be to that man? For the majority of men, it starts with mental health. I wish it didn't. I wish we could fast forward this process. I wish, you know, for this guy, for telling me, yeah, I get into the gym and make some money, you'll feel better. But the thing is, your mental health, dictates like how productive you can even be and so this guy i can already picture i've spoken to many guys like this as much as he wants to improve and work on himself the the issue is he simply just can't sit down and do the work his brain doesn't even work like he's like semi-stupid even though he wasn't supposed to be it's like his brain just doesn't even work because he's fried it with all like i'm not very scientific but you know all the dopamine that comes from like tiktok and porn and video games for 10 years he needs to take a big break from all that he needs to sacrifice all of the instant gratification and some guys can go without this, like, you know, as this extreme, I have to do it extremely, but some guys, you know, can still play some games and maybe get some success. But the thing is, it, it should be obvious that like the success you can build in any endeavor 
will improve if you cut back on the instant gratification, pleasurable activities, especially those that like hook your, your dopamine system. Because the reason you don't feel motivated to go and do some hard work is because you may as well go and get some pleasure right now. Like if you watch porn right now, it'd be a surprise if you're the guy who can watch porn, but also go and do work. It doesn't work for most guys. It doesn't work for most guys to, to be someone who's an active video gamer, but still go and study. You, you can't really do both, honestly. Most guys can't manage it, especially with how addictive these new like forms of media have been, of porn and TikTok and video games. They're, they're so hyper-stimulated. You need to take a big break from that. Meditate every day. Improve your mental health through meditation and gratitude journaling and then some physical health things like sleep, sunlight, exercise, good diet as well. And two weeks in, honestly, there'll be such a big difference in your capability to go and do the work that at that point, like, you're going to feel like a new man. And, you know, I will say just for the previous point you made about, you know, like what, what's different about us and, you know, someone's watching this, I'm an Adonis, what, what if he, can he do it or not? When I was... 15 years old, 16, I was absolutely convinced that I could never get girls because I was brown-skinned. With all of the, the propaganda, I think this is honestly a big reason why I'm not like Muslim because a lot of the propaganda that I saw as a child in, in the UK was like anti-Muslim, anti-brown people, you know, oh, immigration problems, oh, brown guys doing something bad, oh, a terrorist, here's a Muslim terrorist who's done this, it's, you know, it was, it was a bad thing to be brown in, in the UK. And I didn't, I grew up in only white areas as well. If I grew up in, you know, some areas which was like very, you know, there's a lot of Pakistani kids, maybe that would have felt better, but yeah. Um, totally convinced I could never attract any girls because I was brown skinned and that was a bad thing. And it was the moment, it's something like, similar you just said, it was, I saw someone else with my skin. So I saw Zayn Malik, it's like some singer from like One Direction or something. He's an attractive guy and like bro, like girls were posting his picture on Facebook, like, oh my God, he's so hot. And just suddenly I just realized like, He's brown, I'm pretty sure he's from Pakistan. Like his name is Zayn Malik, like Zayn Malik. Like, so just suddenly, like, you know, I had a new paradigm shift. I was like, okay, there's someone who's brown who has the same like handicap as me, who's getting worldwide attention from girls. It's not this, this handicap then, is it? It's not brown skin, so it's something else. And suddenly like you start to like, you know, take back all of the limitations you put on yourself with these like ingrained beliefs. Like you said, if, if there's someone brown who's achieved what you've achieved, you could probably, you probably have a likelihood to do it too. If there's someone black who's achieved what you've achieved, then you, pro you probably could do it too. If there's someone, like I'm six foot one, okay. But if there's someone who's five foot seven and still gets girls, I know a couple of guys like that. And yeah, you know, the likelihood changes, of course it does. But the thing is, if you're watching content like this, you've been watching this interview for like an hour, it's like, you're not an average person anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, you've had the attention span to watch this. If you're watching Afiz's content, you're not an average person. So yeah, like the likelihood changes. Of course, you're going to be more likely to get girls if you're a six foot four Chad. But you still have the possibility to make progress. And that's what it comes to is, it can be harder, but can you make more progress? Can, you know, you were saying for most people, it's too hard to make 100K a year. Let's say they're on 45. Could you maybe get it to 50 a year from now? Probably. Could you get a 10% increase? Like, okay, maybe work a little bit harder, you know, figure out what your boss wants more. Yeah, you could. Could you do that five years in a row? Now you're on like 75, like, yeah, fair enough. Like if you can make some progress, you know, you're, you're five foot four, you're struggling with girls. You, you think you're probably not going to grow anymore because you're 19 years old. Okay. Can you build more muscle and be more attractive? Okay. Can you build more success? Because bro, there's, there's a lot of rappers. I don't know if you've seen this, bro, but there's a lot of rappers out there who are like physically ugly and they have girls throwing bras at them. They have girls literally throwing themselves at them. But these guys, the, the rappers, like if you physically look at them, they're ugly. They've just got high status. They've got high status. They've got a game. You, there's always something you can make progress on. You can't change your height. Can you build more muscle? Can't change your height. Can you make more money? Can you get more confident? Can you become more funny? Can you 
increase your status. Can you go get 200K Instagram followers? <laughs> Some girls are really attracted to that. There's always something you can work on. And I think once you adopt this kind of mindset, just suddenly you start actually talking to yourself like you're, you're your own best friend, you're like an ally. You're not just, you know, limiting yourself. And I think that's one of the saddest things is just seeing guys who limit themselves and say, nope, because of this reason, I can't do anything. So I'm not even going to try. Man, I love the, the, the foundation of the mental health. And um, we, we talk about, in, in the standard community, we talk about identity. And we believe it all starts with the <clears throat> I am statement, right? As a man, who do you believe that you are? And who you, not, not who, not who you, you're with your friends. Like, who do you, when, when you go, when you're walking down the street, and you're traumatized from being abused and beaten and harassed and no one's around and it's dark and it's raining. Who do you think you are? And what I realized is that for so many men, that identities, I am a loser. I am a Jeffrey, right? And, and to me, I look at the idea of being a Jeffrey as it's not an identity, it's a state of mind that you have. Is not, and Adonis is not an identity. It is a state of mind that creates the identity. And so one of the biggest things that I love that your message is that you're right. It starts here. It starts in the mind. It starts with the identity and having a healthy identity shapes the mental health, which leads to the foundation that then leads to all the great things in life. But without this, Without a healthy mind, without a healthy soul, there is no progress. And so I absolutely, like I said, going back to the holistic messages of men, because my biggest thing is that I want men to have the best outcome possible. I want them to have the best outcome. And, and you cannot have the best outcome with the worst mindset. And no matter how great of a Bugatti you drive, no matter how many Victoria's Secret models you're flying into your house, no matter how big the mansion is, no matter how many M's are in the bank account, when you yourself say to yourself, when no one's around, I am a loser, I am not good enough, I am a failure, that's crushing to me. And so, similar to Hamza, man, like, man, please tap into my guy, man, like, you're doing such an amazing work. You're, you're, su you're such an inspiration. And, and to me, I, I really, what I love about you is a, the healthy relationship, man. Like, I just love that, man. I just love, I love that you're showing healthy love, man. And I think, I think in today's world, we need a lot more of that. Um, I think in today's world, we need, need a lot of men such as yourself. And, and to me, it's just been so encouraging to see you blow up, man. I've been watching you from behind the scenes. I've been, I watch everybody, you know what I mean? Watch, I watch everybody from behind the scenes to see you for these past years just blow up and blossom. And you have this amazing tribe of men. This is like amazing inspiration, man. I just wanted to let you know, man, super proud of you, man. Um, I, think you're, I think you're an exceptional human being. I think you're laying the foundation for the new level of man, which is masculine, competent, dom and dominant, but at the same time, healthy, holistic, and um, an individual who wants to create a change in this world. So, man, it's been, it's been a pleasure, man. It's really, it, really, it really has been to, to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'll say the same thing about you. Like I've seen your work over the past few years. Your guest list is like I asked you this on, on WhatsApp as well. Like, how did you get all these people, bro? Like you've, you've had Jordan Peterson, Patrick Fit Davis. Oh man, your 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 list is absolutely phenomenal. Your networking skills, your social skills is amazing to see. And you've you've been doing some good work in our space, honestly. And I've I've honestly I've 
not been doing any interviews or podcasts for a long time. It's been about a year since the last one. I'm not even going to be doing any more after this. Literally, I just saw your message. I was like, yeah, 100%. After I like looked at your, your page again, I was like, this guy is so wholesome. I can't like help, but like, you know, I, I want to just connect with you. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it, man. So I hope, um, I hope I've performed well for you and everything. And yeah, thank you for so, so you've much. Been, you've been fantastic, man. So for the people who don't know where they can find you, where can they find you at? I'm banned on a lot of the social medias, but I'm on YouTube for now. You're banned on social media? Huh? You're banned on which social media? On um, I'm banned on Instagram. I'm banned on Skillshare. Yeah, those are the two so far. How, how messed up is that, bro? For what? It, it happens to guys in our space, man. The Instagram one was a day after I posted a video telling guys, like, oh, you know, it's bad for your mental health. This is how they addict you. And I swear, like, people think I'm lying for this, but I swear, literally, the next day, your account is deactivated. Swear, like, fully swear. And then Skillshare sent me an email, fully, like, like a male who's been cancelled. Um, they don't appreciate the messages I've been putting on YouTube. They, they showed me a couple of video titles where I've been talking about, like, the war on masculinity. You were raised as a woman. One of them was funny. Like, one of the, the video titles they sent me, a title of mine is called, I Bet You Love Being a Soy Boy. <laughs> I probably deserve that one. But yeah, like Skillshare was a problematic because um, if anyone doesn't know, it's like a place where you host like courses, you make money from it. And we put in some good work onto Skillshare. We were making 20,000 pounds a month, honestly, which was, you know, I was using to pay my team and stuff. And overnight, literally just quick email like this, income stopped, boom, half of our income just fully dried up. And, um, you know, the, the principles of masculinity really helped me then because I could have gotten emotional, could have gotten hateful, could have wrote posts about them, anything like that. Saw the email straight away, took a big deep breath. I was like, you know, it's like stoicism. Let's use this now. Like what I've been practicing so far, this is the time to use it. This is the time to be like responsible and, you know, figure out stoically with like a lack of like emotion, how I can fix this. Got to work, boom, did a deal with Iman, got some new courses released Incomes back up again. Didn't have to fire anyone like this, boom, back to it. Yeah, so they can find me on just on YouTube. Just search Hamza on YouTube and you'll find me there. I love it. I love it. Guys, listen, man. If there's anybody that you got to support and there's, and, and I'm telling you guys, you know, I got a hall, I got a hall of fame with a select few men on there. And I've, and I fought, I spent my whole life trying to get them on the podcast. My Gary, the Gary V's, the Jordan Peterson's, the Patrick Bet David's. I've spent, I've spent hours but if there's somebody who's on the up and come up, who's one day going to have his head on that Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore of men who've changed the world is my guy, Hamza. So if you have not tapped into his YouTube channel, please give him a subscribe. Nothing but love and positive, positivity and good vibes, man. Hamza, thank you so much for the bottom of my heart. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by... Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much, and you guys have a great day.